Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. excited to tell you about an opportunity that's coming next year. Starting January 6th, we're going to be hosting a book club. Now you've listened to the podcast Nourish Eat Repeat, but did you know that the name is after a book I wrote in 2019 called Nourish Eat Repeat, A Busy Woman's Guide to a Healthier Mind, Body, and Life. We're going to be doing a deep dive into each chapter of the book all while sharing our struggles and our successes around food, our health, and busy schedules. Cost of the program is only $25, and it includes the book, access to the live book club meetings, and private Facebook community page. And if you happen to miss a meeting or two because it doesn't work with your schedule, we're going to be recording the session so you can watch the replay at your convenience. Again, Book Club starts Fridays at noon for nine weeks starting January 6th, and I can't wait for you to join me as we do this deep dive discussion. You can join the book club by going to bodymetricshealth.com or find us on all our socials, Facebook and Instagram at bodymetricshealth, and click on the link to join. We'll see you there. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Nourish Heat Repeat. So today's topic is a little heavier in nature, but I think it's a very important topic to talk about because it's one we don't ever talk about. I actually had this conversation with a lady, um, one of my girl's friends, her mother, I was dropping the girls off for a play date, and we were talking about church. And she said she grew up in a very strong Catholic church and went to a service somewhere where they were talking about sex. And she was like, we don't talk about sex in church. Like, that's just taboo. How we handle it is we just don't talk about it. And it got me thinking a little bit about the topic we're talking about today, which is shame. It's one of those things a lot of... A lot of my clients carry with them when they come into the office. It's something I struggle with at times. Um, And I feel like we don't bring it into the light and talk about it enough. So we're going to do that today. We're going to talk about three different types of shame specifically. We're going to talk about body shaming. We're going to talk about food shaming. And then we're going to talk about diet shaming. Just the feeling of this immense, overwhelming, negative blanket that covers us if we have to, um, or if we feel like we have to make changes and and just aren't able to. So I want to deep dive into this today. I hope I do this topic justice. Again, I am not a therapist. So obviously, if this is something that you struggle with on a deeper level, you want to reach out to somebody who can help you. But I just want to at least scratch the surface today and start talking about the different areas of shame when it comes to our diet and our bodies and see if we can provide some healing or at least 
knock over a chair and get a little bit closer to healing. So we actually talked about shame in church a couple weeks ago. Um, my pastor defined shame as a painful feeling of distress or humiliation caused by our consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. And it's a deep down fear, um, fearing the reaction of other people, that they are going to see us for who we really are. And we're going to expose ourselves. And in that, you know, there's a lot of distress. And I think distress is a really great word to describe this because I know when I feel ashamed of my actions, it's this, like, like I said, this heavy, dark blanket that washes over me and it, it feels really uncomfortable. So what's interesting is, you know, how our pastor went about talking about shame was he says it's a separator. It separates you from the grace of God, and it keeps you from being what you were created to be. And as soon as I heard that tagline, I was like, oh, I have to talk about this on the podcast because I say this sentence over and over and over again to my clients. My job as a dietitian is to help you get out of your own way, to educate you, to provide hope, to to give you options so you can live the life you were called to live. For so many of my clients, especially my weight loss clients, they're just, they're trapped. They're not, they're not socializing. They're not, you know, going to different events. They're, they're constantly wearing the chains of shame And, you know, why am I not successful? And, you know, they they aren't fully present with their family members or on vacations or at the beach because they're constantly worried about what other people think of them. And and I, I don't want that for them. I want them to be carefree. I want them to have fun. I want them to be fully present and enjoy moments and create memories. And unfortunately... This is this is a big separator from allowing that person to be who they really want to be and feeling the weight of shame when it comes to their body or when it comes to their food choices. So so let's first talk about body shaming. I know a few weeks ago we did um, an episode with Lauren who talked about body neutrality and she did a really great job of defining that and explaining why we want to work towards that. Again, if you missed that episode, uh, I believe it was just a few episodes back. You can grab it and listen to it. But um, body shaming is one of those things that somewhere along the way, you connected a, a sentence, a thought, a phrase with who you were. I just had a client the other week who... Um, has been working through an eating disorder and just the sweetest, kindest person ever. I just, I just adore her so much. And I asked her what is something she wanted to work on. And she said it was to uh, finish the food on her plate. And I said, okay, that's an interesting goal. What made you say that? And she said, well, I just feel like if I don't finish the food on my plate, um, then people can't judge me for, for how much I'm eating. 
And so I asked her where that comment came from, and it actually came from a family member long, long time ago. A family member made a comment, wow, you finished that whole, that whole plate. You must have been really hungry. And she took that one sentence to mean that she overate, she was an overeater, and then from then on out, she was not going to ever finish her plate because she didn't want to feel judged. She made this one sentence who, I, honestly, I bet if you ask this person, if, if they remembered making that statement, they probably would never, ever remember saying it. But they made one statement, and she decided to own that and turn it into who she was instead of just something that, that happened. Right? She, not that eating a whole plate is a failure, but she took that fail and turned it into a, I am a failure. And that's what shame does. It connects you with a circumstance and it tells you that's who you are. I remember, I think I've shared this story before. My grandma said to me when I was really young, she said, you, you have legs like your daddy and his legs are fat. I remember that. She probably doesn't remember it. Well, I know she doesn't. She, she died. But, <laughs> but I know she would never remember saying that sentence. But I remember it as clear as day. I remember where I was standing. I remember the temperature outside. I remember everything about that day. And that moment defined my eating habits through middle school and high school. I was constantly aware of what I was doing and was I eating too much and leading me to binge eat because, you know, I couldn't restrict. It was a vicious cycle. I connected that one sentence with who I am. And so body shaming is, is a tricky subject because, you know, we can't control the words of everybody around us. And so a couple things that we can do if you're struggling with body shame is replacing your talk, replacing that inner voice, understanding the difference between condemnation and conviction. So I'm stealing this from church. <laughs> if these words sound churchy to you, I'm stealing these words. Condemnation says you're messed up. You'll never be successful. There's no way out. Conviction says you messed up, but there is hope. And there is a way out. There's a big difference. A lot of times shame sounds very condemning. So in those moments, it's hard to just come up with a completely new sentence. I get that. But maybe the first thing you can ask yourself is what else is true? I know that feels true right now, but what else is true? I know it feels like your legs are fat because your grandmother told you that, but what else is true? My legs are also really strong, and I know that because I'm a really fast runner. We may not be able to turn off the negative yet. Again, go to that body neutrality lesson that we did a couple weeks ago, but this is also true, and we can lessen the, the emotion behind the sentence. Um, we can also manage our time on socials, right? Social media is tough. I know I'm always on my kids' cases for being on social, not on social media, but just on their computers in general or 
or YouTube or any of the stuff that they say they have to be on for school. Um, but social media is tough for me as an adult and limiting what I watch. And it's hard because there's these algorithms that just start putting things into your feed. And if you hesitate just a second too long on a post, next thing you know, you've got, you know, 300 different posts um, coming your way. It's extremely tricky. It's extremely hard, which is why we have to create boundaries around it. And if you're looking at things that aren't making you feel good about yourself, they have to go. They don't make you stronger. They don't make you have more willpower. They do the opposite. It's a lie. And so really being careful about managing your time on socials. Uh, when it comes to body shaming, another thing that we can work on is just making friends with food, making peace around food. That's always the first step. You creating enemy lines between you and food only exasperates the process. And if you need help with that, that would be a really great thing to come see a dietitian for. We can help you with that. And then finally, reaching out to someone you trust. You know, being able to have those conversations with people when you're like, look, this is how I'm seeing it and I need to see it another way. Can you give me another perspective? Or can you speak truth into me right now because this is how I'm feeling? Remember, shame is a separator. Shame tries to isolate you. It tells you the lie that you're the only one that's struggling with this and you're never going to find a way out. But connection solves that. I shared the story with you before about how I went, um, every once in a while we'll go out to eat with my girlfriends. There's four of us. And I love it. I have so much fun and, you know, they just, it's so good for my soul. <laughs> I'll just say it that way. And the one time I was just, well, not one time, many times I was struggling when we got to the dessert piece because I would take a bite and everybody else would take a bite because we were sharing a dessert and I would get, then go into panic mode because I wanted more dessert, but I didn't want to, you know, be the one that was overeating the dessert. Everybody else kind of had a bite or two and then sat back. And, and meanwhile, I was in this extreme distress thinking that the waitress was going to take the dessert away and a perfectly good half a piece of cheesecake was going to get thrown in the trash when I actually wanted it. But I can't want it. I'm the dietitian. I'm supposed to you know, be good. And I'm the one that's supposed to have self-control to the point where I'm not even listening to the conversation that the three of them are having because I am so stressed out. And I finally was talking to one of the girls about it one day. And, you know, when I said it, I just, I even closed my eyes and I even like was bracing myself for her to be like, really, you think that way? wow, that's, huh, interesting. I would never expect that. Like, I was just expecting judgment. And instead, she looked at me right in the eye and she said, how can we help you not feel that way anymore? I'll never forget that sentence either because it was one of hope and it was one of compassion and it was the opposite of the words that I was telling myself in my head for so long and it was everything that I needed in that moment. So sometimes um, sometimes shame is loud, but I promise you compassion can be louder. 
And if you need to seek out somebody who can help you with that, whether that's a trusted friend, whether that's a relative, I mean, my goodness, we can be that for you too. (laughs) I know a lot of times nutrition can bring up a lot of emotions, especially ones that are that are hard to deal with. We have boxes of tissues in every single one of our rooms. You know, as people are learning to sort through these feelings and let go of the shame that they've been carrying um, for too long. And so, you know, I would be honored if that was something that I could do for you. Um, And I just want you to, to find somebody that you can talk to. It doesn't have to be me or, or anyone on our team. It just needs to be somebody. The second place where we can find shame uh, when it comes to nutrition is food shaming. And that's when somebody judges or criticizes what another person eats, either intentionally or unintentionally. And this judgment can cause a lot of stress, embarrassment, or guilt. Now, a lot of times food shaming stems from diet culture. You know, that, you know, being thin is what everybody should strive for. And in order to be thin, there are good foods and bad foods. We put certain foods up on a pedestal. We put other foods, you know, as junk and terrible and never would eat this. You know, it's very interesting because as diets have shaped and formulated throughout the years, a lot of them are contradictory. So where one person is putting this food up on a pedestal, the other one is tearing it down because it's so terrible. No wonder we're confused. We don't even have a consistent message. Like, it, it's so ridiculous when we think about it. Um, comments that could be made are, you know, are you going to eat all that? Or just like I told you earlier, you finished your entire plate. Um, and then all of a sudden you have a thought about that. Like, oh, maybe I am eating too much. And I was talking to that same mom I told you at the beginning of the episode. And she said her seventh grader, her seventh grader, all right, so you're talking about 12, 13. Um, she said there was a girl at her lunch table who's not eating because she wants to fit into a dress this weekend. And we're like, what? What 12-year-old needs to be worried about fitting into a dress. Now, most likely, I don't know this person. I don't. I have no clue who this person is. But most likely, that child heard that from either an older sibling or a parent. Because a 12-year-old shouldn't be worried about fitting into a dress. If that child can't fit into a dress, that is the wrong size dress. But it's fascinating. We hear comments and all of a sudden we start thinking that we need to make changes to our own body. So why do people food shame others? Well, sometimes it's because they feel so poorly about their own diet and misery loves company. (laughs) If I'm going down, I want you to go down with me. If I feel bad about myself, maybe if I can make you feel bad about yourself too, then... I won't feel so isolated because I'll have company. When it comes to food shaming, there are a couple different things we can do to deal with it. Number one, we need to speak up. If somebody's comments are upsetting, you have every right to create a boundary around that and to let them know 
politely and firmly that that's not okay. If you have somebody food pushing you at a holiday event, it's okay to say, no, thank you, I'm full. You don't have to take it. If somebody makes a comment about how much you consumed, you can tell them that you have learned to listen to your body and today is a hungry day and you're going to honor that. You're going to honor that um, that communication tool. What am I trying to say? That signal that your body gives you. Yep, some days are hungry days and some days are not. Today just happens to be a hungry day and you leave it at that. You don't have to explain everything about what you're doing. You don't owe them an explanation. If you don't like what you're hearing, change the subject. If you hear somebody else, you know, shaming somebody and you don't feel comfortable calling them out, I mean, I don't. I always talk a big game, but I am the least confrontational person ever. <laughs> I, was like, I would totally do this. I wouldn't. I'm, I'm a big baby. I'm scared. But I can change the subject. I can do that, you know, to let them know that that conversation isn't welcome here. Um, you can spread positivity. You know, if you think your friend's burrito looks good, tell them. And take that pressure off of them, you know, and that internal struggle they may be feeling for ordering the burrito. You know, be somebody's cheerleader. Let them know that they can make the best decision for themselves, just like you can make the best decision for yourself. You don't need anybody helping you. You don't need anybody telling you what's good or what's bad. You are the expert of your body, and you get to make that choice. All right. And go easy on yourself. All right. Remember, there is no such thing as a perfect diet. I know magazines and books and every social media will share with you the highlight reel, but I promise you, they are not perfect. I promise you, I am not perfect. I don't know how to be perfect. I've tried and it backfired on me. So now I just show up as I am because that's all I can do. We, sh it's more important for you to show up. I don't need you to be perfect. I don't need you to have the perfect plan. I don't need you to be eating only good foods. and That's not living. I just need you to show up and be authentic to yourself. Have compassion for yourself. Have grace for yourself and your choices instead of constantly judging. You don't need anybody else judging your food choices and you certainly don't need to be judging them yourselves. Once I took away judgment from my own eating patterns, everything changed. It didn't change overnight. Let me be clear. It was a process. But once I took the shame and judgment away from what I did, there was this freedom that I cannot even explain. There was a lightness, that heavy, dark blanket just was lifted. And I was able to fully be in the moment. And I was able to listen to my cues and my signals and not try to ignore them, it actually became so much easier once I took that away. But a lot of diet culture will say, well, just don't do this and don't do this, but they don't address the shame part of it. And so you're constantly left with that heavy blanket on you. 
the trick is you've got to take the blanket off first and then you can deal with the nutrition part. The third place where shame can show up is for those that have tried to diet and are constantly trying to diet and every January 1st are making a new resolution to diet and the shame that weighs over them in having to make the same goal over and over and over again. And for those people, the, the remedy, <laughs> the solution, if you will, is very much similar to the other areas of shaming. All right. You do not have to have it all figured out in six weeks. Remember, any program that tells you that you can have all your goals met at the end of a 12-week session is not a long-term solution. A long-term solution involves a long-term plan. One that allows for you to make mistakes. One that allows for you to learn and grow from those mistakes. But it does not involve shame it does not involve condemnation. It involves kindness. It involves grace. It involves connecting with people. It allows you to reach out and ask for help when you need it, not, and not be fearful of judgment, but be coming at it from a place of curiosity. Why do I do this? And if I don't want to do this anymore, how do I make change? You've heard it so many times about small, sustainable changes. But instead, we reach for those quick fixes that always leave us empty-handed. And so if you've struggled with making the same health goal over and over and over again, I want you to think about how do I get an easy win? How do I get an easy win? Just get an easy win. It's not perfect, but it's sustainable and it's doable. And you make that first step. And you don't worry about what other people think because they're on their own journey. And you don't need to go along with them on their journey. You can go on your own personal one. But I believe in you. And I believe that you were called for a very specific purpose. And your purpose in life was not to be hiding under a blanket of shame when it comes to your health or nutrition. So I want you to think about some of the things that we talked about. And I want you to think about what are some, some helpful tips that you can start to do right now. Whether it's creating boundaries for yourself. Whether it's talking to yourself in a different way. What else is true? whether it's cleaning up your socials or whether it's reaching out to somebody you can trust and talk to, I want you to think about what is the first step for you in removing the blanket of shame so you can be called or so you can go out and do what you were called to do. All right. Let's get you your recipe for the week. So we have this week a Mediterranean veggie noodles. So for this recipe, you're going to need one jar of sun-dried tomatoes, drained and thinly sliced, 
You'll need a package of zucchini noodles. You can use frozen. Um, a teaspoon of peeled garlic, salt and pepper, half a cup of dry white wine, one pack of baby spinach, a container, which was about four ounces of crumbled goat cheese, and then chopped walnuts for a garnish. But if you don't like walnuts, don't put them on. You're going to heat two tablespoons of oil in a large saute pan over medium-high heat and add the zucchini noodles and cook them. Transfer the zucchini noodles to a serving platter and add the remaining oil to a pan and cook on medium-low heat. Again, you're going to add the garlic, salt, pepper. Cook stirring occasionally for two to three minutes until the garlic is browned. Next, you're going to add the wine, the sun-dried tomatoes, and the spinach to the pan. Toss to combine until the spinach is wilted. And then go ahead and take that mixture and top the zucchini noodles with it and garnish with the goat cheese and the walnuts. And it's just a little bit of a fancy side dish, but it is absolutely delicious, and I think you'll enjoy it too. All right, guys, that's what I got for you for this week. I hope you have a terrific week. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrian Delgado, and I'll see you next week.